Hello and welcome to the Around the Nation podcast for the week of Monday, December 5th. I'm Pat Coleman. And I'm Keith McMillan. And we're uh, headed into the national semifinals, the final four, so to speak, of Division Three football. The Purple Power is still alive. Uh, St. Thomas will take on the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater. And Wesley will take on Mount Union. And the question of the uh, week is undoubtedly, can either of these teams uh, take down the Purple Powers and can we uh, avoid a, uh, a seventh consecutive Whitewater Mount Union Stag Bowl. And since we had uh, Paul Vosberg, the head coach of St. John Fisher, uh, in the spotlight and, and front and center for the uh, national quarterfinal round of these playoffs, I asked him, since he had seen Mount Union uh, in the uh, regular season and in the postseason uh, four times in the uh, last six or seven years or so, how would he compare? Would is St. Thomas in the same class as Mount Union? And here's what he had to say. Well, they're, they're in that caliber. They're in that caliber. They're they're big. They're physical. They run well to the ball in defense. And yeah, they're you know uh, when we were in the playoffs with them, and and then even uh, the two years we played them in the regular season, uh, they're, they're in that caliber. They're, they got some good football players. Uh, on offense, that four is he's dynamite, and 37's a very good tailback. Quarterback makes plays. I mean, he makes plays and threw the ball very well today, and, and uh, uh, he he's very good. So they're good, and their offensive line—that's a good offensive line. We knew going into the game, watching on film, this is a good offensive line. They're big and they're physical, and and then, and then I I think their defensive line and uh, linebackers are very good too. That helps, and they got already good, they got good athletes in the secondary. When your front's doing a great job, your secondary even gets better. Sure, you know, so they're just a good football, team. and they punt the ball very well. Their punter boomed the ball today. Their kickoff guy even. Pat, we're going to find out on Saturday. That that's the question everybody wants to know the answer to. And, and honestly, we've been we've been building towards this for three seasons, I think, with St. Thomas, and you know, several seasons, more than three for for Wesley. You know, Wesley's been to the semifinals before and hasn't been able to break through. And St. Thomas, you know, their their breakthrough was was they had to break through the quarterfinals. You know, they'd been the past couple of years and uh, lost to Linfield two years ago out there and then lost at home last year to Bethel. So this was their real big breakthrough. But but for them, especially with a senior senior laden class, I don't I don't know if they want to stop right now, you know, and uh, Whitewater is still the dominant team, still the number one team in the country, the defending champion. So we're going to find out, you know, if if St. Thomas belongs in that class. And I think if if there's a year that it could happen, you know, it, this is it. And I know we say that, I probably say that every year, but, um, but you, you have a St. Thomas team that is built to go toe-to-toe with Whitewater. And then you have Wesley, who's seen Mount Union before. And Mount Union's still scuffling a little bit on offense, but has a great defense. I think there's two things we have to keep in mind here. One is, uh, you know, just a, a general reminder that the that the committee delayed St. Thomas Whitewater by a week, basically. If they had kept the bracket the way that uh, brackets have been constructed, you know, since time immemorial, practically, uh, you know, Wisconsin Whitewater and St. Thomas would have been matched up this past weekend in the national quarterfinals. But instead, instead of having the two West teams play each other and the two East teams play each other, two East teams came West. Uh, both lost. Two West teams will face each other in the uh, national semifinals. So that's that's number one. Uh, number two, in in my mind, and uh, this is not really related to number one, I guess, other than the fact that <laughs> I thought about both of them while you were talking. Um, people ask have been asking me, uh, you know, for the 
actually not just this past week either. And I've seen St. Thomas a lot because, you know, they're just about 10 miles from my house. It's a, it's an easy trip for me. Um, they ask me the same question that, you know, we're going to be asking this week. Can they, uh, can they take down Mount Union? Can they take down Wisconsin Whitewater? And I say, you know, if they had won that national quarterfinal last year, which they, uh, you know, had uh, got really uh, beaten up by injuries, including one during the game itself, lost to Bethel 12-7 uh, to 7 in the national quarterfinals, did not get to play Mount Union. And for those of you who complain about Mount Union getting all the home games, Mount Union would have had to travel last year, but St. Thomas couldn't get the uh, job done and, and advance to that game to host them. If they had played Mount Union last year, I would say this year, uh, I, I would definitely be in a, a, a much more favorable position for them to take on either of those two other purple powers. I just feel like um, in so many cases, uh, a team faces one of those two teams for the first time, and there's just a, an intimidation factor. Um, you know, I don't think that they're going to necessarily uh, think of it that way. They may not let themselves get intimidated, but I, I, happen, I just happen to think that playing a purple power is worth an extra negative seven points, so to speak, on your side of the, uh, on your side of the ledger. You know, they, they asked Glenn Caruso that question on the, on the Tommy website. And I was just reading that before we uh, sat down to, to record Pat. And uh, he used that exact word, you know, they, he said, Hey, I, they, they didn't show the question uh, that he was asked, but it sounded like it was something like, uh, you know, do you respect them? And he says, yes, I, you know, we, we respect a lot, uh, the heck out of Whitewater. And then the follow-up must have been, is there an intimidation factor? Because the response is, I didn't say there was an intimidation factor. In other words, you know, he says, uh, we're going to get, we're going to get their best game, but they're going to get our best game. And that's certainly something St. Thomas has to do. You know, they have, um, they're their best team, quite honestly. They've been building towards this, taking the steps that each year, Glenn Caruso's teams win more games. So, you know, they, they're not going to get some of these guys back this year. This is it for, for Fritz Waldvogel and, and, and some of the other guys on that team, uh, you know, the linebacker, Tony Dana, and, and some of those seniors who, um, you know, have been building towards this. And this is it for them. And, you know, Whitewater, I think, is fairly senior-driven in some ways as well. But um, the the – Intimidation factor, I think, is there in, in a certain sense. But at the same time, you know, um, St. Thomas, I think, has, has been built for this, for this moment. You go across to the other semifinal, Wesley, I don't think will have any of that intimidation factor. They've played Whitewater three times. Uh, they, they went out to Mount Union two years ago. Shane McSweeney was the quarterback uh, of that team. Uh, some of the guys who, who play a lot now, you know, Sean McAndrew being one of them, uh, the tight end played a lot in that game. Chris Mays won't play on Saturday, but he was a big factor two years ago in that game out in Alliance. And, uh, you know, so Wesley is the flip flip argument, I guess, of what you're saying about St. Thomas, where this is the first time where they play one of the Purple Powers and, and St. Thomas has a chance to be a Purple Power uh, starting, starting uh, on Saturday. Uh, and for Wesley, of course, they're not going to have the intimidation factor, but they, they've now done it four times and, and they've played Mount Union and Whitewater each in the semifinals once each in the past two years and haven't been able to get over the hump. Hang in those games. They're close. They can go toe to toe with them. They're not getting blown out anymore, but they, they got to figure out how to get some points on the board against those two defenses. Well, just one on Saturday. Wesley uh, advancing with a 27 to 24 win against Mary Harden Baylor. Uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, Chris Mays, the uh, standout defensive end. He's been a D3football.com All-American in the past. Uh, we'll find out 
uh, a week from Friday. If he is again this year, I would be surprised if he wasn't, but I haven't looked at everything, so you never know. Um, but he, will, of course, will not be uh, playing on Saturday at Mount Union because uh, he uh, is a, the ACL injury from the game that you saw the previous week against Linfield. Uh, the, uh, on the other side, of course, Mount Union has been uh, battling injuries, especially on the offensive side, uh, all season. Uh, Neil Seaman came back on Sunday, a quarterback, uh, for a while for the Purple Raiders and then, and then was out. In fact, in, I understand in street clothes in the second half. Um, the uh, uh, Matt Pilato, the uh, starting quarterback, didn't finish the game either. They finished the game with a freshman, and it seems like it's a position where uh, Mount Union is about as vulnerable as they were in, say, the second half of that semifinal against Wesley, where they had to put Cecil Shorts uh, under center for the second half of that game. It's funny that you bring that up because I was I was thinking that this situation on Saturday reminds me of. Uh, 2006 against St. John Fisher, you know, a, a game that's already been mentioned once in this podcast. But you remember back then when um, Pierre Garçon broke his hand yep. or, or broke his thumb, or we, we thought it was worse than it was, but he, he couldn't catch against St. John Fisher in the semifinals. He had one catch for three yards, and uh, we thought the St. John Fisher cornerback had done a great job on him, and it was a great cornerback that they had that year. Steve Stepnick. Right, and, and what they did in that game was um, they gave it to Nate Kamik over and over and over again, and he had 371 yards rushing, and that's how they got the job done. And the one thing that Mountain Union does maybe better than anybody is when they they, they play to their strengths and they, they go away from their weaknesses. And on, on Saturday, when they have three different quarterbacks playing against Wabash, they know they have a great defense, and they got Jeremy Murray back. He only had five carries in the, in the second round game, but back for the quarterfinals, they gave him 25 carries, 152 yards, two touchdowns, uh, if you watched the highlights or if you were able to watch the video on Saturday, you saw him literally bouncing off tackles. You had to be in the stadium to watch the video on Saturday or uh, watch it on television, just as a reminder. True. The, the tape delayed there you uh, go. video with Mountain Union. You're right there. The I just know games. that there are still hundreds of Wabash fans out there who are really uh, violently upset about that. Well, and I, I don't blame them because, you know, there's a, a, a fan base that – really, really want to see those games. You know, they're probably one of our most active fan bases. Um, and, and, you know, that, that includes all the teams that have been really, really successful over the years. Um, and then it's a, you know, it's a playoff game yeah, and, and you get geared up for this big game and you want to be able to see it. And it's tough that uh, somebody buys the TV rights and puts it on a uh, tape delay and, and they're not able to see it because in this day and age, we're getting used to the technology and we're getting used to being able to, to see all three games. You know, there were people, uh, who, who were, remember there was, so, there were, I don't know if you, you saw this post or not, but there was a post on the board where someone said, hey, I could actually go to the St. Thomas game, but I'm going to stay home and, and go flip back and forth between these three games because they're all on video. And we're going to have video again uh, this week on, uh, on, on ESPN3 for the two semifinals. And I know uh, I'm pretty excited about being able to see both games. Uh, I agree. Absolutely. Um, and of course, the uh, it, it going apart and parcel with that is the fact that the, the uh, kickoff times are staggered for the first time that I can remember. Uh, the Mount Union-Wesley game uh, scheduled for kickoff at noon Eastern, and then the uh, Whitewater-St. Thomas game scheduled to kick off at 3.30 Eastern, 2.30 Central. So, uh, you know, it, it puts it in a position where uh, the game could be put on some broadcast network somewhere, and it's possible that may still happen over the course of the week at some point, that they uh, that the schedule may jigger around and they may find a spot for it. But um, 
I only say that because you know there are, uh, there were some NBA games I'm sure scheduled to be played somewhere this week that aren't being played. Um, but we do know that they will be on ESPN3. So if your uh, internet service provider gives you access to ESPN3, that's how you'll be able to watch it. And if it doesn't, like mine doesn't, then I'll be trying to figure out how to make that happen sometime in the next uh, couple of days. So that is um, you know, how you can watch the uh, national semifinals. It's a nice step up from uh, the uh, you know from NCA.com video. So it'll be a little bit uh, obviously better produced and you know. It'll, it'll be interesting. I, I look forward to be able to watch both games in their entirety live um, unless I end up in one of the stadiums, which is also possible. So uh, you, you mentioned uh, Wesley beating Mary Harden Baylor 27 to 24. That, uh, that's a game, Keith, in which you know Wesley jumped out to a, a big halftime lead and then Mary Harden Baylor chipped away at it and chipped away at it, had the ball in Wesley territory in the uh, closing minutes of the game trying to drive for a, a game-tying field goal or a go-ahead touchdown. There was another, ended up being another nail-biter for Wesley. Yeah, and, and a great story, but but the complete opposite of the week before where Wesley got off to a terrible start against Linfield and then had the great second half. This time they got off to a, a 21-3 halftime lead, as you mentioned. Uh, Mary Harden-Baylor took them to about midway through the third quarter to finally get their rhythm going. And once uh, Ladero Bailey you know, was able to, to get the running game going. He hooked up with uh, Damian Davis for a 45-yard touchdown pass in, in the second half. And um, Wesley did did respond at one point to make it, uh, to, you know, to, to keep the, the gap going. Um, but, right, it got, it got down, Pat, to a point where it was a one-score game. Wesley's trying to run the clock out. And uh, Shane McSweeney, a quarterback who literally never slides, yeah. uh, Says, says he thought he was four or five yards past the uh, sticks and slid, you know, trying to be smart, trying to have a heads-up play, slides one yard short of the sticks. Uh, Mary Harden-Baylor stops him on the quarterback sneak on fourth and one. They get the ball back with 241 left, down 27-24. And at this point, you know, none of the, the other three games are over or they're, you know, more than 20 points, 20 points or more apart. Uh, so it's the only good game going on, and it really is between, you know, what, what right now uh, you know, we're probably going to end up the fourth and fifth uh, or teams, what I'm trying to say is Mary Harden Baylor is, is the best team probably uh, that, that didn't advance. And um, so you have this great game going on at that point, and Mary Harden Baylor uh, comes down to it, has a fourth down play, and uh, isn't able to convert. And I thought the thing that stood out in, in that game, besides, of course, um, you know, the, the, the big numbers, Shane McSweeney has another big game, four touchdown passes. Um, 253 yards passing, 114 rushing yards. Those things you, you expect. Um, Mary Harden Baylor, I think, plays better from in front. You know, they they run, get out the get out to a big lead with their running game. They're not really built to 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 pass their way back into the game. Um, no turnovers for for Wesley. Three turnovers for Mary Harden Baylor. All interceptions. So that yeah, that's sort of what happens to them when they have to throw the ball to try to get back into things. Those things were were sort of expected. I thought what stood out to me really from that game was. Uh, with, with Chris Mays out, Wesley needs somebody to, to, to emerge on defense, to, to play above their heads, more or less. And uh, I thought the guy who did that was, was Sustin Kapapula, the, the linebacker, the other linebacker of the three. You know, we, we've talked over the years about Jeff Morgan a lot. He had 14 tackles on Saturday. Um, Micah Sadu has been involved in a number of big plays. Those two guys' names are familiar. Sustin Kapipula, I don't know if you if you aren't around Dover, if you don't follow Wesley, you may not know his name. I can't remember a, a play that stood out that he made against Linfield. 
But a week later, he has 14 tackles, he has an interception, and he was the one who, who made the play on fourth down, chasing down Ladarrell Bailey, and, uh, and, and caused that to be um, an incomplete pass And that last thing. I think you need a guy, when you lose your, your star defensive player, you need somebody to, to play above their head, to play their best game of the season. And that's what Westy, incidentally, is going to have to do when they go out to, to uh, Alliance. They're going to have to collectively play their best game of the season they've played a lot of great games and they've been inspired but you know with the loss of chris mays they they really needed that game from uh, from susan so looking at mount union we mentioned of course the the quarterback situation i think we talked a little bit about jeremy murray he came back this week uh, carried the ball 25 times for 152 yards a week after he had uh, been uh I guess rested uh, uh, precautionary in a precautionary sense, perhaps after getting just uh, six carries in the second round game, you know, they are going to need him more and more, especially if they end up going with a freshman quarterback. Yeah. Um, you know, those three quarterbacks that, that played on Saturday, those guys uh, combined to go 14 for 22 for hundred yards passing. And I know that's not by choice, that, that they had to use all three quarterbacks, but it's been going on this way for them all season. And then Jeremy Murray got hurt uh, and, and was able to play, of course, this week, as we mentioned. But I think for Mountain Union, they may have to win ugly. And if they're gonna if they're gonna win this week, if they're gonna win the Stag Bowl, which is certainly their plan, there you you can you know sort of feel it uh, in, in some of the things that they say that they can't wait to get back to Salem and uh, avenge the losses. To Whitewater, but before they do that, they have to handle business this week. And if they're going to handle business this week, I think you have to see another huge game from the defense. One of the reasons they were so successful against Wabash, uh, they held the Little Giants to 31 rushing yards. They never let Jonathan Horn or or West Chamley really make any big plays, and uh, they made the big plays on defense. It, it, again, the highlight package from that game. And you're right; if you weren't able to watch it live, you had to search around and, and maybe find a package of highlights on YouTube. You know, Nick Driscoll is everywhere in that package. He's the safety for them, sort of the do-everything guy, the, the same way that Matt Kostelnik was for, had been for them, a guy who can make plays, you know, not just uh, the way safeties tend to make plays, you know, on deep passes, playing over-the-top coverage, but they they can blitz him. They He makes plays on special teams. You know, Nick Driscoll blocked a punt on Saturday, uh, recovered uh, the, the West Chamley fumble on a uh, punt return, and then uh, forced a fumble on. It looked like a blitz. Maybe he poked it, poked it out uh, from behind from one of the quarterbacks. And they need guys like that to make plays. I think Charles Diesel stands out for them on defense as well. And uh, if Mount Union has to win ugly, they're going to have to get big games from the defensive players, and then maybe lean on Jeremy Murray if he's healthy. I suspect that if we're doing a breakdown in our uh, triple take. On Friday, I might be talking about a defensive score for uh, for Mount Union because I think that uh, they may need that little bit of extra boost on offense. Um, on the other side, uh, we haven't talked about the Whitewater-Salisbury game, but uh, Whitewater uh, 17-0 at the half, ended up winning 34-14. And, uh, you know, we, we talked about, I guess, the ceiling for uh, a triple option team and I think Salisbury hit it just as uh, as much as, say, uh, Springfield did against Widener in 2000. That's as, as far as any other team had gotten in the uh, in the modern playoff era. Yeah, and, and you know, Mary Harden-Baylor is sort of the the other version of this. They're not the, the traditional option team, but they, get to, they sometimes reach a point in the playoffs where being one-dimensional offensively isn't good enough. And they've always tried to incorporate a passing game. And we talked about Salisbury. Coming in, you know, being able to pass well enough 
to uh, to to throw off. You know, to keep defenses honest, I guess is is really what we're trying to say. And the 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 interesting thing I thought about the the Whitewater Salisbury game is that it was it was almost the the flip side. It was it was that that Salisbury turned that around on Whitewater. They stacked the box. They packed it in and said, "We're going to stop, or we're going to try to stop Lavelle Coppage, and we're, we're daring you to throw on us." And and uh, Matt Blanchard was able to uh, to hit on some passes early and open some things up for for Whitewater. And then Whitewater just you know does what they do: lean on the offensive line, uh, feed the ball to Lavelle Coppage. He breaks off a big run at the point in that game where it got to be seventeen seven. Salisbury started believing itself a little bit. He breaks off a big run, turns it back into a, a 20, 24-7 game, and uh, you know he finishes with 213 rushing yards on the day. He's, I think, 480 yards away from, from catching Nate Kamick for the All-Divisions yeah. rushing record. <laughs> he would have to have a couple of amazing games to do it, but this is the time of the season where Whitewater likes to lean on him. And as you notice, his rushing totals are getting higher and higher. Now he's over 200 yards. You know, the better teams they play, the the higher those numbers go, the higher his carry totals go. And uh, they're, they're built like that. It's by design. You know, we, we went back over it in the podcast last week talking about his carries early in the season. They're kind of saving him. And this is his time of year and that offensive line's time of year. So he's going to be facing a, a, a rush defense. And St. Thomas has had a, a tremendous amount of success in the playoffs. I mean, obviously... None of those games uh, for the Tommies have come again against a, uh, a running back. The quality of Lavelle Coppage, let's be honest, there's only, yeah, oh, there may be one uh, guy like him in Division Three right now. So uh, there, there's not really any fair comparison. They're going to have their uh, they're going to have their hands full. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, they, they face fairly good Division Three players. You know, Ryan Francis for for St. John Fisher is a guy who, who could hurt teams in, in many ways. He uh, hurt the Tommies on Saturday with the 85-yard kickoff return and then actually got hurt, <laughs> hurt his knee in the third quarter of that game. But St. John Fisher never able to get anything going. Um, 33 rushes on, on Saturday for 60 yards. The total now, uh, I think I threw out the stat on Twitter and, and it was a little bit off, but the total now for, uh, for St. Thomas in the playoffs, 908 rushing yards for the Tommies, 78 rushing yards against them. Four in the first round, 14 in the second round, 60 yards by St. John Fisher on Saturday. It, it's a theme across all these games. The, the team that makes the other team one-dimensional, that, that forces uh, the team to do what it's not comfortable doing defensively. Now, they, the defense imposes its will on the other team's offense. That's uh, that's the team that's been having success. And, and it's going to be awful tough, I think, for St. Thomas to get Whitewater out of what it does. But you know, Salisbury tried to do it. They tried to stack the box and force them to pass. And as long as Matt Blanchard is on enough to open things up, to make the defense be honest, you know, Whitewater usually comes back over the course of a game and hits you with plenty of Lavelle Coppage. During the course of that game on Saturday, you um, saw uh, Dakota Tracy get uh, flushed out of the pocket a couple times early. He actually got sacked uh, by St. John Fisher uh, in the uh, in the first quarter, I believe on the uh, yeah on the very first play from scrimmage for the Tommies, uh, Dakota Tracy was sacked. Uh, it very nearly became a three and out. There was one uh, first down, and then uh, eventually a a punt for the Tommies. But you know it it came it it kind of came back around later in the game. Tracy was flushed out of the pocket later in the game, and he found his running lanes, and, and he was able to uh you know to convert or at the very least uh, stay out of. Uh, sack situations, and, and that's one of the things that uh, Tracy has been has been good at. It used to be where 
you know, I mean, this is a guy who's been who who's been starting, you know, basically nonstop for two years. He played a lot as a sophomore, kind of traded back with another guy, Greg Morse, back in 2009 as a starting quarterback, and they were completely different styles. But uh, Tracy's always been the guy who can run, but now he's uh, he's capable of of throwing, but more importantly, I think capable of obviously making smart decisions about uh, when to get rid of the ball, uh, when to try to you know when to try to make a deep strike downfield. Uh, when to pull it down and run, when to run and get out of bounds, when to try to get an extra couple of yards. It's, it's he's, he he won't uh, you know he won't light up the passing numbers, um, but he's not you know just a game manager either. He's just kind of a good balanced overall Division three quarterback. And and it's it's funny you know sometimes we talk during the season we get so wowed by some of the got the numbers that some guys put up. You know Salisbury is a good example of that their offense functioned so well during the season that their numbers were just you know astronomical. And you don't see that from Dakota Tracy, but the, the number you do see, Pat, is, is over a course of, of those three seasons, uh, three and change or two and change starting. He's 28 and one as a starter. The numbers on Saturday, 10 of 19 passing for 151 yards, three touchdown passes, no interceptions. And across the board, you know, we talked about the themes of, of teams, you know, imposing their will defensively. The other big theme is always going to be turnovers. And uh, if your quarterback is throwing three touchdown passes and having no interceptions, usually win. Same thing, you know, in the Wesley game. Shane McSweeney, four touchdown passes, no interceptions, uh, no fumbles. Those guys aren't turning the ball over. You, you don't give the team, especially the, the the team that's you know weaker of the two, or the team that's you know intimidated. And, and these teams, you know, St. Thomas and Wesley are going to be the underdogs going into to you know Perkins and um, and and going into Alliance on Saturday. Those are the teams that 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 want to get that momentum going early, and Mount Union and Whitewater are the teams that don't want to get those turnovers and give up the short fields. You know, the the, the short fields I think were a big factor in 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 the St. Thomas, you know, putting up forty five points uh, on, on St. John Fisher. Yeah, they had a uh, well, of course they had an eleven yard drive which uh, put them up fourteen three after a uh, St. John Fisher fumbled a snap uh, on the punt. Uh, they had a thirty one yard drive, and of course. Uh, a one-yard drive in which uh, the Tommy's got the ball at uh, about the f- the 14-yard uh, line, and uh, the St. John Fisher defense held him to one yard and forced him to kick a field goal. The other thing coming out of the day Saturday for St. Thomas is uh, Fritz Waldvogel got kind of banged around a little bit on a play late in the first half, uh, and he came out uh, in the second half with his helmet off, still in pads and uniform, but uh, did not step on the field uh, during the course of the second half out. He uh, was at the post-game news conference. He said he was fine. Uh, I asked Glenn Caruso if he could have used him if he needed to, and he said absolutely that it was just a matter of uh, you know being cautious and they had had a, a, a 35 to 10 lead at the half, so they didn't really need to, uh, to test that. St. Thomas did uh, struggle a little bit on offense in the second half without him. They also gave uh, Colin Tobin a bit of a rest. Uh, he had ended up with 141 rushing yards, 159 yards of uh, all-purpose on Saturday. The other thing that St. Thomas lost is uh, Jason Flesher, their starting right guard, and they've had a, a really successful offensive line this year. Uh, got uh, actually carted off the field with an injury. I don't know the status on him. And then the other thing, of course, coming out is that, you know, again, another great defensive performance, and that's something that uh, you know, that we've talked a little bit about St. Thomas over the course of the season, and we'll be writing about uh, them on defense a little bit this week as well. Yeah, I think, you know, St. Thomas talks so much about their big three, 
it's time for us to get to know a little bit of their, their defensive guys. We talked about them a little bit in the podcast last week, uh, a little bit today, but yeah, that, that's going to be a big um, a theme this week. And I think the next two weeks, you know, some of these the teams, their best player is on offense. You know, Lavelle Coppage, we all know, Shane McSweeney, we're, we're well familiar with, Colin Tobin, Fritz Waldvogel, Dakota Tracy, St. Thomas calls those guys the big three. But some of their best plays uh, and best players are on defense. And I, I think Mount Union, it's pretty clear that uh, that Nick Driscoll and, and Charles Diesel are probably the, the two best guys on the field for them at, at a lot of points in the game. And so uh, Mount Union doesn't have the, the superstar offensive player yet. You, you see glimpses of it with Jeremy Murray, Jasper Collins, when he's 100%. Uh, you know, they have some other talented guys, A.J. Claycomb being, being one of them. So, uh, some of these teams, I think all four teams are capable of defense on defense, and, and they will have to be uh, pretty sound on defense, I think, to to advance. You know, we, when you step back a little bit and, and take a look at this from a from a macro view, a big picture view, whatever you want to say, um, the, the question, the same way we let off the podcast, Pat, the question always becomes, is it going to be Mount Union and Whitewater again, or can somebody beat them? And, and I fall into the trap every year. I, I believe in these these other teams because I, I try to judge, you know, I try to clean the slate, judge them all on uh, judge them equally. Um, I mean, I, I think it can happen, but I, I don't think it'll be easy. Other things going on this week. Uh, Keith's and mine and the other 30 some uh, members of the national committee's uh, Gallardi trophy ballots are due on Monday. And uh, I think we should talk a little bit about maybe not necessarily who we're voting for or how we're voting, but a first of all, just a reminder for those of you here this morning to uh, hearing us on Monday morning, get out and uh, cast your ballot online. You could do that on the front page of d3football.com. One of those four rotating top stories currently is a photo of uh, Fritz Waldvogel, although that's not an endorsement because we've rotated some people through that spot over the course of the last couple of weeks uh, to go in and you can cast. Uh, you are one ballot, uh, which will be uh, combined with the other fan ballots to make up part of the uh, final voting. But again, you know, as a reminder, the Gallardi Trophy keeps seeing it referenced as, you know, the the D three Heisman, and it's it's not necessarily in that it, of course, unlike the Heisman Trophy, it takes into account your uh, academic qualifications, community service, things that happen off the football playing field. But you know, in the end. It, the well-rounded student and the well-rounded student athlete is what uh, Division Three is all about, anyway. Right. All, all ten of those guys are, are guys. You don't, you know, you don't get to the finalist cut unless you're you're sound in all three of those areas, unless you're accomplished. And really, when we sit down and read through the packets, Pat, you see the endorsements from the coaches and the presidents, I think, are for me some of the strongest things um, that I read. You know, you read about these guys, some of the amazing things they do off the field that they don't have to do or, or things they, they've put up with uh, in their life to get where they are, you know, football wise. But at the end of the day, it, it's a football award. And I still at this moment, you know, the less than 12 hours from having to cast my ballot, <laughs> I, I'm not certain who I want to vote for. I think there's some guys who really stand out and there, there are a couple guys, you know, numbers wise who stood out the entire year in, in Alex Tanney and then in uh, Michael Zwiefel. From uh, from Monmouth and Dubuque, respectively. I think Fritz Walvogel, you know, having him in there is certainly um, someone you have to consider. And then Mount Union has Alex Ferrara, one of the safeties, and um, Matt Blanchard, the Whitewater quarterback, uh, on the list. 
I would be more pleased, I think, if if I could consider um, Lavelle Coppage, uh, Wes Chambly is another guy, and Shane McSweeney, I think, is an, another guy who uh, it's, it's the more he plays, the more we see him during the playoffs, the more he stands out. Uh, it would be nice if you could consider them all, but uh, they have to draw the line somewhere. You have to be nominated by your school. And, of course, um, what I mean by draw the line is uh, we want the award to be presented in Salem two days before the Stag Bowl. So that means uh, the votes have to be tallied and we can't consider necessarily what happens uh, this week in this week's games coming up. But uh, first three rounds of the playoffs, uh, I like to consider them. And, and, you know, the more games a guy gets to impress you, the, uh, the more impressive he can be. And so what happens is we should find out by the end of the week who the four finalists are. And uh, as Keith mentioned, uh, the the four finalists will be in Salem, and they will uh, they will learn at the same time we do who wins the trophy. That this, uh, you know, like the Heisman and, and other major awards, uh, but this is new to uh, the Gallardi Trophy as of last year. I, I thought it went really well last year, and I hope that uh, they're able to continue doing this because. It really made it into a, a nice showcase event, and we got to see. To be honest with you, instead of seeing you know just one guy, uh, we got to see four guys, and we got to learn a little bit more about uh, some of the other players who were or finalists, and and not just the uh, the eventual winner, Eric Watt from Tryon University. Yeah, that that's what made it neat. I think that you know instead of a guy coming up, um, accepting the award, saying a few words, and everybody you know having some food and going home, it, they they put some work into making it in our presentation. We learned about, you know, Matt Hoffman, his story stood out uh, last year. He was a defensive end from Rowan who had beat cancer, I believe. And then you had um, Ben McLaughlin uh, from Louisiana college, the quarterback who, uh, you know, some he worked with kids and there was all these things that, that, that made it more than just a, um, just a, here's your award. And, and, you know, thanks for your service uh, the past four years. And, and I think that's, um, making it into a real showcase event. You guys did a nice job with the, with the show. I was home last year um, watching it, and that was uh, it was enjoyable to watch. You know, it was it was an hour where none, no part of it was boring, and that's uh, I think that's special. It really, it makes the um, makes a real true experience for for the D three players. Also, this week uh, we'll be naming our all region teams, and you can uh, find those on the site. I'm hoping that. Uh, it'll be by the end of the day on Monday. Uh, there are some things going on around here where that may be a little bit out of my control, but those are uh, the other things going on. And then, of course, as I mentioned earlier, we'll name our All-Americans next week, and that will be our uh, contribution to the award season. And, of course, coming up on Saturday, the uh, the two national semifinal games, Wesley at Mount Union and St. Thomas at Wisconsin-Whitewater. Uh, we will cover those games and the, uh, the four teams involved more over the uh, course of the week. As we get closer to Saturday's kickoff, uh, that is the Around the Nation podcast for the week of Monday, December 5th. Uh, Fourth Keith McMillan, I'm Pat Coleman, signing off.